I'll just say hello. Hi. <laughs> Let's start from our quiet, quiet yeah. place. Yeah, let's start from our quiet place because it is the evening. It's nearly nine o'clock actually for us. And so we've gathered tonight, haven't we, for another Mother's Talking episode. And I feel personally like it's a real treat tonight because we get to talk about your wonderful book, How to Have a Baby, which I feel like <laughs> I'm a one of your biggest fans of this book, but for very, very good reason. I love this book and everyone I know that reads it loves it too. And I think it's one of the reasons like we got to know each other so well because I was so passionate about this amazing book. And we thought it would be fun to kind of look, I guess, take a little dip into the book on some episodes and you know share where those where those chapters came from and kind of yeah get get inside your brain I guess a bit <laughs> and your wonderful book because it's so beautiful and it's it prepares women I think in that's the most beautiful way but tell us tell us what mm. how did the book start where did it come from how did it grow I've- uh, so where did it come from? I mean, I actually would find this really, you know, for me, it was like a real life juncture because, mm-hmm. and it often get, gets forgotten about, but then I think it's, it it really infuses the book itself, if you like, because it came from a relationship I had with a mother. Mm-hmm. I have shared this before on other podcasts and stuff, so um, apologies if it's repeating for some, but I think it's lovely to honour this lovely lady called Shelley and she was a very reluctant not reluctant she was very glad to be pregnant and really wanted a baby but she wanted a cesarean mm-hmm. and um she's from south africa where that was the norm and where that was expected and she couldn't imagine anything else she wasn't particularly afraid but she just was like well that's what you do isn't it and um her neighbor dragged her to my yoga class and she was a very un yoga person and like a very friendly love lovely woman but I can remember she really rustled up a negative face for me that night she just was like and she admitted that she thought it was going to be very you know alternative with a big a I don't know why she did and also looking I don't know why she felt like that anyway she enjoyed the yoga came a couple of times and just started asking questions and that's what a preface to this book, of course, my training is with Janet Velasquez and the active birth movement. And there is a kind of magic that happens through active birth that is still absolutely bemuses me to this day how it works. But the, you just put women in this, this in the class. The yoga doesn't even have to be very good, which is I will say I'm not a very good yoga teacher. I was a, and somehow something activates. Mm. It's really strange. It's like an ignition key. And it, it re- not always, always, but pretty reliably. Of course, some people don't come back. Some people, it's just not for them. Fine. But you definitely see this kind of, this wake up and it comes from their body. You see it. You see it literally like a flame in their body. It's like they just connect. And that was always done its aim. That was the active birth ethos, which was that you, 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 you spread the intelligence to the body and you get women into this. I'm going to use a lot this word a lot embodiment. Mm. This is what we're missing. It's missing from before we're even pregnant. We don't even understand what that means. Really, you might go to 
do our exercise and we might have awareness of wellness and menstrual cycles and that, but really true embodiment, I think for women really comes in pregnancy. And the sad thing is if you if you become pregnant and then you go down a certain track, you can still stay in your head the whole pregnancy and then be managed and it's this way, please, madam. And then you're on your back and you do your birth and you can still remain entirely disembodied for birth, as we know. But active birth does the opposite and connects within a few classes, just very simple recipe of using the breath and connecting them into the gravity that's pulling them to the ground. They start to feel good and they notice because pregnant women are so sensitive, they really notice how they feel well by not really very much. It's just a circle of a, a, a safe circle, a calm, quiet sequestered place where they can let the world drop away and they come into their body so this woman Shelley did this and then she asked me to be her doula and that was a a shock because she obviously had abandoned the c-section plan and she went on to have the most amazing birth in water Mm. and she was just gorgeous I mean every part of what I dream for women she, she in particular she really took ownership of her process and she was disturbed even in the birth center they were in she started to be disturbed by some intrusive pressure that was coming from the midwife who was trying her best but was just really talking and saying offered seven vaginal examinations and in the end I have to honor I really want to honor Shelley she looked up she's very 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 polite incredibly gentle person she went (sighs) now can you please stop saying that and leave me alone like this? And we basically, obviously the midwife was trying to help her. She didn't know where she, how do you know where you are? How do you know how you're doing? Yeah. And I had whispered into her, if you feel change, you know what what's happening. And she went, I really feel change. I really feel change. And then the midwife did give her some space and she was pushing within no time. And she had this beautiful birth. And I took a, cake round to her afterwards we went and had a birthday cake and um she gave me this notepad and she said you know direct a kind of note you know and she said I want you to write in there all the things you talked about and taught me and that we shared about and I'm she was a teacher but she was experimenting with a bit of design and illustration and stuff and she said I'd like to make it into a pamphlet for your for your class mm. pamphlet that was the aim at first and I had long since been trying to write books, but no publisher was ever interested in me because I wasn't, in their words, famous or qualified. And so they, so that was quite a serious publishers tried. I, an agent tried, and I, I had lots of ideas of what I wanted to talk about and write about. But Shelley just distilled it for me. She just said, look, just do a kind of lexicon, do a kind of point-by-point point page let's not get don't make it an angle that just literally make it as absolutely practical as we can since that she had run the whole gamut of going from completely negative to completely positive in about 10 weeks so it was a bit like let's chart her journey you know and so then came the problem that I sat down that night and I was trying to think shall I do it a b c you know shall I do a for this b for the you know that bit cliched and so on and then when I used to be a journalist, when I used to get really stuck, I had this wonderful uh, deputy editor, Dave, if he's ever listening, he was like, changed my life. And he always says, whenever you get stuck, put your pen down 
pen can be hilarious isn't it but pen, yeah because I don't even I was actually doing some using a pen then and a bit of a computer and he said just really ask yourself what are you trying to say mm. what are you trying to say otherwise there's no point saying it mm. yeah, what is it you want to say don't make it fluffy don't try to make it clever just get to the absolute basics and so it kind of took shape in my head well, well what are the absolute bog basic things that I think are left out of quite a lot of preparation you know they even by this point I was thinking you know there's all the oxytocin is all the stuff about oxytocin there's all the stuff about the body and the pelvis and of course the book goes into that but like what prefaced all that was just going into no just the journey as you feel it mm. you know how it took shape and then it gets so I started doing that and then she started doing it and then she left for South Africa and we just had it took us years <laughs> it took us years <laughs> three years it took us a poor woman she didn't realize because it just grew and grew and grew and then in the end I I thought well I'm just going to try and get a loan and, and try and publish it so we ended up finding a Chinese printer and <laughs> she was dear and wonderful and still she's still in South Africa three babies later we've lost contact now and I, I think about her obviously very regularly and she she's a wonderful woman and she she was responsible for all the, the photos and that mood of it which is not mm. really some people it's marmite in that respect we say why has it got that strange dark cover and why is the words why does baby drop off the end? You know, that's because she was experimenting with kind of a style that was not about just having a baby on the front page. Yeah. You know, and I wanted that as well. I didn't want it to be like just that more either anatomical or cutesy or obvious. I just wanted it to be a bit like. But you, you know, feel like that. You feel that it's it's something different, isn't it? That's what I love about the book. You you get given it and it feels special because of that cover. You know, it's like there's secrets inside and you want to open it, you know, and that's what it feels like. It's weighty and it feels important, but like, that's what I love about your book though. I think it's like this underground book, you know, all mums, like they pass it around and everyone's giving it to each other and everyone's talking about it, but people like not everyone still knows about it. It's like, this beautiful secret and that that was my dream contraband it's like it's like a yeah. kind of yeah you know, really yeah I mean I I like <laughs> like like moonshine yeah. <laughs> everyone's just like doing deals on the how to have a baby book you gotta you gotta have it in your in your selection but then once you get it I don't think you need the others <laughs> you just no. need to get hold no. of the alchemy the alchemy of birth is that the right word what I felt I wanted to get was like, come on in, you know. And that's yeah. the other thing, you know, because one of my biggest problems is in birth care and you know, supporting, and and how women are looked after in that in 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 birth is that there's often not very level playing ground. And I level, would you call it, you know, not even mm -hmm. the kind of expertise itis in our culture, which means that the women people put themselves second to somebody telling them what to do, and that could be you know, literally a clinical practitioner, but it could also be a yoga teacher or even a friend that's telling you what to do or how to do, you know. And and that, um, well, that brings us to, so you're either going to talk about 
the odd chapter, weren't we? And take yeah. a bit of his, yeah. like you say. I thought we'd start, begin at the beginning. Yeah. And um, the chapter, there is, a, there is a note from me, but then it, the first chapter is called A Clean Page. And then me and Shelley used to wonder, well, how do we do that? Was it a blank page? And should we, we debated it for ages or, at what to call that. But it speaks for itself, I suppose. And it, And what it's about is my ongoing, still to this day, even though this book's now quite old and I've been doing this for 20 years, I am always freshly shocked (laughs) by how, I don't know, you know, layered up pregnancy gets with, I've got a new word. You ready for my new word? Yeah, always. Myth information. Myth information. As in myth and myth, it's it's it's. Let's just call it. I should. I probably if I got it, did it reprint, I might call it myth information because it's myths and it mis, misinformation and myths. Mm-hmm. And is one side of it, but there's also a kind of clogging up of the nine months with people's stories, with one angle on it, cultural mishmash of scary stories and negative messages from the media and television programs. I mean, when I wrote this, there was that, how, uh, what's it called? One one every minute. It just feels like the, the, the melee that the, the whole, um, it's like a silty river. It's like a muddy bottom to a river. And it just, as if it's got all washed up and all the grit and salts, the silt and rubbish is just floating around. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you take each bit individually, they'll be valid. People's stories they're sharing with you have validity, have something to learn from. You know, the clinical pathways, they have um, significance for some people. You know, it's not to dismiss it all. But what I find sad is that after about six weeks of pregnancy, people get just dropped into this murk. Yeah. And it's murk and they can't see. It's like swimming under water with no goggles when it's thick silt, you know. And so you so you get this kind of really um here's my real problem with it, is if you if you're if you're operating from this other people's secondhand info effectively, which even in maternity care is really, it's still a kind of a lot of maternity care pathways and recommendations are coming from a very generalized place that isn't very likely to do with you and your body mm. universal standardization that is applying to all but that doesn't a man said to me recently a, a dad i was teaching he was very uh strong about this he said well that's because standardized care is the safest care for all and i can see whether well, that's where it began yeah that's how it began it's like overall this is what most women need but you know, gosh, where do we go with that? And, and and this brings me to the more detail of what is a clean page, which is what over the years, since the 70s, when, that, when standardised care came in and all the problems it's caused so that you get multiple individual takes so that you have endless, endless personalised trauma, endless, endless birth going this way, birth going that way. My abiding amazement is that in the route to standardizing and making most women having mostly having a good time that the complete opposite happened and that now the stats so the standardized care came in in the 70s early 70s 
everybody being having everyone having a certain level of midwife care everyone having access to obstetric care everybody having their routine checks at the local clinic da, da, da. Mm. Uh, pregnancies being taken off one way and then uncomplicated pregnancies down another but over the years we know that's changed and, and now the management and choreographing choreographing of birth and the early late pregnancy and birth is now at such a unbelievably convoluted maze of a level that now you far from creating a universal outcome of course it creates multiple you know misadventures you know just just like just it comes out of the wash in, you know like you can't even recognize it as birth for lots of people so no but nobody's ever stopped and said that nobody said oh hang on we're going into hospital because we're trying to create a level of safety for all but what's happening is everybody's having a different time mm -hmm. and so what i wanted to do was go back to well the bit the elephant in the room is biology is is that families and women obviously they don't they don't get a chance to really absorb the absolute bare bones fact the bare bone facts of their own biology what it is doing and what it's going to do and i read the best sentence for this the other day in a brilliant article in ames by um alex smith the um, editor of their journal and she wrote this brilliant article which i recommend everybody to read about physiology and she just said the simple sentence she said birth is the end of a nine-month physiological process you know and I, i've been using that ever since this last month i've been using that all the time and even i've never really thought of it like that it's like it's so bad what's happened that we even see birth as almost separate from the pregnancy she said from from the two cell moment when it became then it four cells and eight cells and that birth is just the end of that yeah. and and it's so it's, 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 it? it's like extension of pregnancy it's not a separate everything and therefore if you trace it back to the first two cells you know the first fertilization and then that every, the cells doubling every day quicker than that um if you get women to really focus on the wonder of that and the you really take them into the spontaneous automatic nature of the of the pregnancy developing all by itself Mm -hmm. and and you connect that and you create that as a continuum of the awareness of that as a continuum then you connect them back to the amazing natural normal healthy possibility of their competent body of course because you know of course some women have com have complicated pregnancies and issues we know that and that's that need that's why we're living in the best of all possible worlds at the moment because that's picked up quite easily thank goodness in in in, in um, western you know our western model has its benefits because you get a good standard of you know being checking that you're well and the baby's well and, and that word the, the baby's well grown but you know if, if the baby is well grown and it's and, and the trajectory is all as normal you can well you know every study always has always shown you can leave well alone you know but but nobody really gets into really saying no I mean, a first midwife appointment it should be really of obligation of the midwife i think to say right are you clear on instead of seeing just talking about the, that next appointment but getting them to understand the trajectory is all the same automatic inbuilt instinctive process that the body's fulfilling and expressing itself and the baby's 
growing and growing and the body's accommodating, accommodating and all this amazing knock-on sequencing that's queuing everything up for mm. this day when, when they both go in their own separate ways, which is parturition is just the end, end of it. So the first chapter, A Clean Page, was to really wake up some understanding of that and some awe. It's also bringing women into themselves, isn't it? Because everything that makes all that murky water is all external, right? It's the doctors, mm. it's the stories, it's the articles, it's whatever you've grown up with, it's your mum's story, it's, there's so much external and that's what I love about a clean page, it's saying go back to your body, go back to the roots, go back to the biology and sink into that like inside you, you know, not hearing all the noise from everyone because I always think that's what we do as doulas, we don't always add, we're helping them take away stuff, you know, helping them shed and shift away from things because it's so birth is and pregnancy is so internal right it's such an emotionally internal thing we go through but then there's all this external noise I think that's why there's so much confusion I mean it, you've described it beautifully it, it, it's so powerful to realize that we can trust what we're feeling. For me, actually, it was one of the first, I mean, I had such a negative relationship with my body, really, until I had children. And I, and I, a bit better through exercise, but it was still nothing compared to, to pregnancy and birth. And I, my cynical side, which is obviously quite huge, uh, over the years, sometimes I think it's deliberate. You know, I mean, we, I know lots of people think that, but I mean, really deliberate in the, on behalf of nature, so nature on behalf of culture, but it's it, it it seems too odd that in every other area of society we optimize functioning. You know, if you look at the way science works, it's always trying to speed things up, simplify processes, create fiber optics, whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? Everything everything works so that it improves things. So it doesn't make sense to me that we would have left out the most obvious thing of all, which is the body knows what to do in the words of Charles Eisenstein life knows what to do you know and and we know and they know that doctors know that and by the way when I say they or I'm saying the sinister thing of it's like a plan I don't mean hospital care or doctors or midwives I mean our culture at large somehow definitely seems threatened by women coming into that internalized power that isn't about Let's look at the opposite. So the opposite is look out, take instruction. Everybody else knows but you. Now, pretty quickly, it's clear to most people, I think, that what they're listening to is, I'm going to say this word slowly, conjecture. Because there'll be the lady at the, at the bus stop rolling her eyes about home birth, or there'll be your auntie who said, oh, you don't want to, you wouldn't have a baby in water, would you? Or, you know, they let you go over 41 weeks or all the stuff that people get thrown get thrown at them is conjecture. It's literally made up uh, opinion that's not even their opinion. It's coming from just a made those people who are giving you their opinion are, are drawing their opinion from something else that's just an opinion. And that opinion's come from another opinion. So it's literally myth information. It's literally conjecture, conjecture. And then worse than that, in our society, particularly UK, consensus is everything. 
So there's, when I was wondering when I was writing the home birth book about why everybody has a baby in hospital, I literally have found it embarrassing. I had to literally write, why did everyone have a baby in hospital given the stats are so appalling? And I realized it was because everyone else is having their baby in hospital. It's just consensus. We move like sheep, we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I understand it, it's reassuring. But when you actually, if you were to ask around and you were to take 10 friends or 10 people you know, and you were to say, what was your experience like? It doesn't take much to do a survey and work out. But actually, if the, the people you're asking started out with healthy, uncomplicated pregnancies, and probably given some 75% of women, we've said this before, want and as nature intended birth without too much fiddling around. Mm-hmm. 75% and, and not even 20% have that. Then and, and and nearly all of them are in the hospital. So mm-hmm. if you would do the maths, you know, if we if, if we just look at the um given that everyone's into review culture now, you know, you get a, a, every single thing we do in life, you get review this restaurant. How did Vodafone do today? You know, how was your experience at the airport? You know, well, excuse me, how come we're not going? I'm not meaning to pinpoint blame on particular hospitals. I just mean generally, why is it so hard to have a baby in hospital? Because it's at complete odds with our biology, (laughs) which is that birth requires us to be so powerfully first principle undisturbed, like so 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 quiet inside ourselves that even if you create the best hypnobirthing bubble in the world or you have the most gentlest midwife you're still more open to derailment you just are because you're in a public space with all that that has in it and just that alone even in the nicest room in the world it's still got a static to it a charge mm-hmm. and that charge is evaluation plotting progress a sense of having to make this birth happen in a certain way. That is expectation. Expectation creates neocortical activity. Neocortical activity inhibits birth. So you have this trundling along, this uh, uh, puttering along of the of people's bodies. They're not they're not fully powered. They can't, it's so hard to become fully powered in a standard hospital setting. Nobody talks about it. So that's why we did a clean page, because it's biology, 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 first principles, first basic principles. Work out, ask, and actually, to credit Michelle O'Donnell, as we often do on here, it's because he teaches his lectures. When I was learning with him in 2003, he, he says, what does a woman need to give birth? And it's such a simple sentence but it returns us to that to that foundation what do you need you know you need we know what you need we'll say it again we we can't say it too much can we you need primal safety that safety a child would have when there's a keep saying about falling in the back sleep in the back of the car and they just trust that a parent will get them to bed it's that level where the the woman has to be absolutely able to let go and release and relinquish all responsibility in a sense for her physical self so that she can go inside herself. So that's that safe, that level of utter total protection. And then she needs privacy so she can do that. Because if she's in a public space where she can't, she's not, she may think she can be safe, but in a way you're still feeling a bit observed. So she has to be private and safe. She has to be comfortable because again, discomfort will, will intrude on her focus anything that's uncomfortable and jarring you will get by 
you can get by in a in a getting in a car and going i'm not i'm not completely saying this can only happen in home you know i don't mean that and it can happen in hospital but it frustrates me that i'm surely if everybody was really operating from first principles of biology for sure more people will be choosing to have a midwife come to them first and see what happens because it doesn't make sense because you take two seconds to work out like oh okay why would i disadvantage myself mm. so I think it is it is it is this this podcast is a place to get a bit more militant in that I want to say to people to wake them up and be I'm being I don't mean this at all beratingly, I just mean who would you trust with your two-year-old? I say this every time. You know, who is the first expert when your two-year-old's in the park and they're on the swings or on the slide and three or two-year-old, three-year-old, you know? You know when you're a mother, you have to be the person taking responsibility. Yeah. You have to even over the father, in you know, mm-hmm. and and so if we know that it's going to be our lifelong, you know, job, then it applies in pregnancy that to take instead of going, oh, but it's my first baby. There's too many variables. They know best. They know best. No, in a complicated pregnancy, possibly you know there is going to be some expertise that's going to be useful. But in an, in an uncomplex pregnancy that is healthy, biology rule reigns supreme, and and that is your first respect needs to go to that as and also with with talking about the biology that i can hear it in your voice bringing a woman back to her biology is also bringing a woman back to herself and her trust in herself which i think that's that's one of the things that's really hard isn't it like to truly tr- for women to trust how they feel in pregnancy and that's why i think going back to the yoga they gently start to connect with that, don't they? Once they're in, with their breath, they're in their body, they're experiencing more of that parasympathetic nervous system when everything's calmer and more grounded and more connected. And I think that essence of be a clean page, I think has so many levels, like not just for the pregnancy, but the birth and then into motherhood. It's like be open, you know, to what's there without kind of judgment and was bringing it back to yourself because I thought about it with the flip side as well because sometimes like with my pregnancy with Judah I was thinking about I often went into my appointments ready for battle because I knew he he it was a more complex pregnancy and I was gonna have to fight my corner a bit more so I was always kind of geared up for that but actually (laughs) a lot of the time everyone was really warm and really nice. And I did have a very good experience, like most of the time, but I wasn't being in a clean page when I was going into those appointments. Like I was already in there with all this armor on and I wasn't open to receiving that warmth. So I think it does go both ways, like be a clean page for the experience of pregnancy, be a clean page mm-hmm. with the biology, you know, get back to your roots and find that trust, but also be a clean page through the experience, through the experience of this is an amazing experience, isn't it? And the journey emotionally, physically, mentally is incredible. Yeah, because it doesn't, please don't, I don't want anyone to think that, yeah, I'm meaning that, yeah, one's physiology is all, or that what the baby is instructing is, is always just for a natural birth, for example, you know, I, I love starting with Janet Velasquez and moving right through the decades where we people are, thank God, are speaking up for different aspects to to improving maternity care and improving women's 
but you have to be careful that if you pull out into too much adversarial stuff, you can also, as that when say adversarial, to to think that the hospital isn't going to ever respect choice, or is there's you're right, you that's also going to actually create a binary situation where you're them and us or you're, you're a bit combative and that's also not listening and um, in fact the, the word I was thinking is with miscuing and misfiring and misdir- misdirection are all of that if you imagine those words they really sum it up to me there's a the baby's cues really are your guide that internal navigation and and if you start second guessing and listening to something outside of your body and that includes even um you know someone really saying in a you know a home birth that's gone on too long mm-hmm. oh no let's keep going. have this natural birth mm-hmm. but everything about the labor is just not adding up and that is not that's miscuing you know it doesn't have to just be like medical intervention it's about sometimes you can be so ideological about natural birth that is also drowning out and creating silt mm. you know it has to be that's the great beauty of biology is that it what we are living in is an era uh because of the, i mean i know this is a bit abstract but i really have become so interested in that now that we've left the analog age and we're in the digital age of course everything's binary in response to digital age but what used to happen in the 20th century what i grew up was that analog experience allows for nuance and points on a line and we used to be able to accommodate that in health where we used to be able to say okay there isn't a hundred percent guarantee here have a have a positive perspective about birth because you know the very 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 greatest likelihood is that you'll have a simple straightforward birth now what i've noticed now is because people are either it's all or nothing and that you know the maternity care it's all it's got to be super safety absolute hundred thousand percent safety or it's dangerous mm. and that's not but there's no analog analysis there's no there's no there's no it's got to be one or the other that's what we're living in now and that's dangerous i, I i'm always dumbfounded that nobody's proportionate anymore like i was talking to family the other day and she wants to have a home birth and he says it's it's totally dangerous you know and he could not understand what I meant when I was saying yes I cannot tell you that there is no risk but there is also no risk in hospital that you know but it's about points on a line and the research shows that whether you're in home birth center or labor ward birth is generally very safe and that's what the stats say that's what the evidence says but that's not how people receive that in this modern age they want everything they want it to be everything you know so therefore you opt for the full-blown medical pathway that's going to give you all the safety which we know it doesn't really nor does the home birth give you all the danger if women aren't or families generally are not encouraged to see that actually in reality irl is that the phrase you know life is obviously nuanced obviously the actual real experience is we know that we can but do you think as well that's like linked to sort of the perfectionist culture because I think I see that the other way as well you know so okay if if hospital has to be super safe and home birth dangerous that kind of parallel but then talking about being a clean page this idea you know, sometimes people go down the home birth, natural, that route, 
really, really kind of into it, you know, and can't be open that they they might need to, you know, take some help or intervention because it's actually absolutely necessary. And then because they haven't had the perfect, you know, natural experience, they feel horrendous. They feel like, you know, they've completely failed. And, you know, that kind of, that angle that some hypnobirths use, which is, you know, you can't talk about pain and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of, I, I hear it a lot from women who do certain types of hypnobirthing, that it's kind of, it is looked maybe a bit at failing if you need pain relief or whatever, you know? And I think that's dangerous as well. You know, again, it's like be a clean page to your experience of that birth. Like make your choices because you're well-informed and you're listening to your instinct, but be open, you know, because you might, your body will tell you, oh, this doesn't feel okay anymore. Or I feel like something's not quite right. I need something, but sometimes because you're getting in your own way, because you're saying, oh no, this, I need to be this on this certain path. So you can block yourself as well, can't you? Completely. It's just cultural ideology. You just have to question, is what I'm believing ideology? And that can mean clinical ideology or natural birth ideology. These are cultural messaging. They're not, they're not, they're not, and that's why I love biology. It's, I say to people, look, let's starting with the biological facts because you can't argue with me about those. It began because I was always obviously being particularly fathers, like going, oh, here we go, who's this person she's got around and he's, she's going to try and persuade me of this. And I realised that the only place I, I didn't want, I'm not very good if I have to persuade people because I'm not very um, articulate or eloquent when I'm speaking. I go around in circles. So I realised the only way I could actually explain it was to have a set of facts that they couldn't argue with and that's why it's such a bloody relief like why doesn't everybody adopt it it's like stick to the facts you cannot argue with the fact that the baby becomes so big that it presses on the internal skin surface of the you know obviously the bag the womb and also the stomach and that pressure itself the, the busting out causes them to tuck 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 to flex their chin, that flex t- chin tight position presses the crown. The crown sends a message to the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland creates the hormone that starts the wavelets that become bigger waves and then wave bigger, bigger waves. And those start knitting the womb up, shrinking the space, driving the baby down. This is a sequence that is, you know, obviously for millennia has you know it's been happening. And because it's biology and the thing is if you to present it like that and then and then you have to say well okay we know the body the baby wants wants to and needs to be born and the mother's body wants the baby to be born and the biochemical and biomechanical dance that swims around that goes round and between them you know is entirely geared to an imperative what you call a, a, a you know evolutionary imperative it's, it's there's no you can't not the body won't just like you will eventually fall asleep yeah. because your body won't let you die of no sleep. It, it will do everything it can to get that baby born. Mm-hmm. And, and and because it's operating from a deep, deep, you know, the hypothalamus is coming, it's, you know, it, I, mean, I don't want to call it DNA, but it's, it's coming from the, the deep hard drive, you know. And so if you just start from that and it kind of, it kind of silences people because they have to stop their cultural noise. Mm-hmm. And 
shut up about that. And we have to say, yeah, I, I, I and, and then of course I am then reduced to, you know, I do have to then say, and this is what I've always said this on the podcast, I think, is, is, is that people say, well, don't you fear you're leading people down a, uh, misleading people if they then have a complicated birth? No, never. It, 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 because nature isn't um, subjective or judgmental in that way. So we, we, we don't berate ourselves when we don't, when you get constipated, you know, or when you get a bad night's sleep or something. It's just physiologically, sometimes the body goes off kilter a bit and so does birth it's not it's not 100 reliable it's flawed in some ways but what it isn't is that if there is um uh, if the birth if the birth process does slightly go off track the idea that that then means the worst possible thing i.e a baby dying or a mother yeah this is incredibly unlikely for an uncomplicated pregnancy and yet that is lost at the moment that's lost in in the mists you know people just go like it's it's dangerous or it's not dangerous and you put in place and like, as you say, some people think that clinical interventions are always dangerous and we have to have absolutely nothing and free birth because that's the only way. And that isn't, as you say, that isn't entirely true either. You know, in some instances, some monitoring is useful and some it's, what if, you know, sometimes women do bleed. It's not very common if you've got efficient birth. But, you know, thank God we do have some things we can do now. You know, there are drugs to, to, to inhibit bleeding. So stick to the biology and it gives you, by and large, huge hugely positive odds for a straightforward delivery of a baby but you know you bear in mind that you there's one in ten roughly may need some help and it's about one percent proper emergency help i think we always need to i don't think any may gas can get enough mentioning these days where her cesarean rate was the same forever, wasn't it? It was one percent, and in and I always say this in the nineteen fifties here, it was one percent. So it's you, you can find it, examples of where the biological lay of the land was accurate, if you like. But you know, pretty much, you know, in the last thirty years, you, you're just not getting a reflection of, of of what actually. And now, of course, it's getting even worse because now induction is just soaring and soaring and soaring. This derailment that's leading to the miscuing women can't read anything because once once you're down I mean, how hand, how often do women actually get what they need you know through pregnancy and through birth to fulfill that physiology that's the trouble right they're mm. always disturbed there's always you know and i know that's what you know we are trying to you know support births as doulas you know to have what they need but even we can't you know we can't stop things that happen in hospital or at home depending on who comes into the space you know it's like I always think that like they're on the back foot aren't they just as soon as you get pregnant and I think I always think this we're like all the teachings everything we do why are we not like helping women understand themselves more understand their intuition more trust themselves more because if you have a woman who stood like say from a clean page space and she's completely in her body in her in her heart like in her intuition truly feeling her pregnancy it wouldn't matter what anybody said to her because she would know even you know in a hospital situation in a in an emergency situation, in a doctor's office, in any situation, she'd feel how that felt in response. And she would answer her feelings. 
you've said it like that. It's exactly it. That's exactly. Don't you know? They don't have that journey, do they? Because you're so right. Because you know, when you said earlier, like people can get so sort of fixated on 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 their plan and their beautiful natural birth plan. Well, I've had. I you've made me think of somebody the other day said to kind of got really anxious about to the new the biology. But then we're like, oh my gosh, this could get disturbed. That could get disturbed. And then you realize actually the real work hadn't happened because you're right. It's more than a clean page. It's understand the biology so that it takes you in inward, like we said at the start. And then it, it's but it's the connection to the internal ownership of your own embodied experience mm. that makes pretty much of a foolproof you know you, you, you you're indomitable kind of thing I mean I could if I take it back to how I felt maybe you can remember how you felt with Mabel I knew the very basics of this it wasn't I think I really want to say this to people listening it's not about all right I've got to make my plan watertight so I really get my biology served you know that that's still not it is it it's it's exactly as you say it's you become just by default, safe within yourself if you're in connection with yourself. And I, through all my headiness, and I'm quite a head person, and I'm quite anxious person, quite hysterical about things when they're not in my control. When, because I don't know why, I think it's because I wasn't even that connected with my baby, if I'm honest. When the feelings began, they were so mine. And it was almost laughable that it was anything to do with anyone else. And I didn't, including my husband, actually. I mean, it was almost like there's nothing anyone can do for me. This is just, it's me and my baby here. And I, we were massively disturbed, if you like, because I wanted to go, I've said this on here before, to a birth centre in North London, and I lived in South London. So I had an hour and a half in the back of a bumpy car going through London traffic and North Circular daytime didn't even get the benefit of nighttime very unfamiliar area remember getting out in the car park didn't really know who I was going to get it wasn't you know didn't get didn't know the midwife but all I I was exactly as you say I felt this incredible surety okay and I'm not a confident person I'm really not in my as I said in my body but it was something to do with me and my baby that I just felt the feelings were so clear once they got strong Mm -hmm. even when they were grumbly for a couple of days I still knew not I I still knew what they were telling me to do which was nothing just wash the floor and fold blank fold baby clothes I just knew listen 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 to your body listen to your body listen to your body Um, I once took instruction at one point from a midwife I was going to drive in on the morning before I actually went into big blown labor and she was so amazing and she just said I think you should just go back to bed for a bit so I did but even that instruction mm. charged with me I was like oh yeah I don't really want to get in a car at four in the morning I'm just doing it because I thought I'm supposed to and she just led me back to myself that's you know so I didn't have, have no wavering I was so tuned in to what felt right yeah you know I knew what to do in my body. I remember standing up and leaning, then getting on my side, all the different positions, just like they say in active birth. It was absolutely involuntary and spontaneous because, of course, our body, you know, let the baby lead, let the baby lead, let the baby lead. Instead of being miscued and misdirected, you know, you come into an ever greater clarity, like super clarity. 
quality of, of, of and it's, it's nothing like it but also on on that I think part of that internal journey that is so incredible if you can hear it is that I think our births give us these amazing like I don't even know what the word is but like sort of like life lessons through the experience of birth, how you respond in your birth changes you, you know? And I think if you miss listening to those, like both sides, whether there's a negative experience or a positive experience, like to give it some context, thinking about my first birth, which I've talked about a lot, that was really difficult. There was a point where I didn't speak up, but then that, led me on a massive journey to find my voice. Mm. So, and the person that are, who had Ed 10 years ago or whatever is not the person sitting here now talking easily on a podcast. But that, I feel that that, that was meant to happen, even as difficult and traumatic as it was at the time, the healing and reflection of that completely changed me as a person. And I feel like... I would. I just want to say that to those that are listening that maybe have already had babies and have not had experiences that were positive and they weren't able to listen or they weren't able to follow what they needed to do because, you know, I was listening and I still couldn't do it. You know, there's powerful, you know, powerful life changes even within that. And I think that's the journey. And once you get external voices in, that gets drowned out as well. And you don't, you know, you don't get the right. I mean, it's so, that's what I mean. That's how I take your Be A Clean page. It's like, be fully open to the experience in every way. So that, you know, and follow yourself as much as you can, but also when you can't know that it's an experience, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's still power there, you know. Well, also Ed was the baby in question your baby but when anyone listening who had that they are your teacher mm. and yeah that it's the it's the honest authentic kind of attunement to the it's not that the baby's on uns- you don't know them yet because you do know them but of course you don't know them in the way you're going to know them yeah. what you're saying which is which is is that be there is a relationship there yeah and it's and- not all down to you is it it's not all down to your choices the baby has choices too. And I think that gets lost in the perfect birth plan as well. It's like this baby's going to come in there and there's going to be something that they need too. And that might derail your plans or your thoughts of what it might look like. But it's because, like you say, there's that relationship there and that's got to be honoured as well. And then that's where I think the lesson comes, right? I mean, yeah, like Ed's birth just... cracked me wide open in every sense possible but completely and utterly needed but at the time I wasn't tuned into that because I would like you said I you know I was really in my head I was really anxious I was a million things back then I was just a different person and I and I think birth brings us to our better selves you know for lots of reasons but Respectful relationship, as you just made me think, it's like you're coming into respectful relationship with your body and your baby, yeah. <clears throat> and and that's it. It's, it's so it does start with the biology, but you're right. It's a clean page, so that 
it's not that we we aren't in relationship with our society, our culture, our families, our friends of course, as well, but on the subject of our children, the first place has to be you. Yeah. You. Anyway, everybody can go and have a read and uh, have it might mean something else to them because it's quite a deep one, isn't it? But um, it's the place to start. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, thank you.